I invite you to stay standing and join me in today's gospel reading from Mark chapter 4. Then Jesus said, this is what God's kingdom is like. It's as though someone scattered seed on the ground, then sleeps and wakes night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, but the farmer doesn't know how. The earth produces crops all by itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full head of grain. Whenever the crop is ready, the farmer goes out to cut the grain because it's harvest time. He continued, what's a good image for God's kingdom? What parable could I use to explain it? Consider a mustard seed. When scattered on the ground, it is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all plants. It produces such large branches that the birds in the sky are able to nest in its shade. With many such parables, he continued to give them the word as much as they were able to hear. He spoke to them only in parables, then explained everything to his disciples when he was alone with them. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this very room be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It is good to be back in person again. Well, about two weeks, two months ago, the world was watching as various witnesses gave heartbreaking testimonies of the murder of George Floyd during the trial of Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. We heard from people like Genevieve Hansen, an off-duty firefighter and trained EMT who was hoping to have a peaceful day and went for a walk when she noticed the lights of a police car nearby and wondered if some of her coworkers might be there responding to a fire. As she got closer, that's when she saw a handcuffed man who was not moving and surrounded by a crowd who was becoming increasingly stressed out. She quickly approached and begged for the police to check Floyd's pulse and to begin CPR, but an officer simply responded that if she really were an EMT, she would know not to get involved. Then there was Donald Williams, a security guard trained in martial arts, who was stopping by Cup Foods to get a drink after going fishing with his son earlier that day. He witnessed Chauvin use a chokehold on Floyd, and he called 911. He testified, yes, I did call the police on the police, because I believe I witnessed a murder. When some said that the crowd of surrounding people was growing rowdier and rowdier, Williams said, we grew more and more pleading for life as Floyd became unconscious. Then there was Jenna Scurry, the 9-11-911 dispatcher who initially sent police to Cup Foods where Floyd had allegedly bought cigarettes with a counterfeit $20 bill. 
Scurry watched this arrest unfold through a live feed on the camera across the street. And she actually thought that the video must have frozen due to how long the officers remained on top of Floyd. She finally called a supervisory sergeant to report what she saw. Call me a snitch if you want to, she said on the audio of the call, but they sat on this man. And then there was Darnella Frazier, the brave 18-year-old girl who pulled out her cell phone and started filming what became a viral video of the arrest. When I look at George Floyd, she said, I'm looking at my dad. I'm looking at my brothers, at my cousins, my uncles, because they are all black. And I look at how that could have been one of them, too. We even heard the testimony of Darnella's nine-year-old cousin, who was with her along the sidewalk outside of Cup Foods that day, wearing a t-shirt with the word love embellished on the front. And this nine-year-old girl said, I was sad, and I was kind of mad. It felt like they were stopping his breathing, and it was hurting him. You could tell from each of these testimonies, it seemed as if all they could do from the sidewalk that day was to cry out and to plead for help, but they each expressed regret, anger, and deep sadness that they couldn't do more to save George Floyd's life. Darnella admits that she still apologizes to Floyd in the middle of the night sometimes, asking herself if she could have done more. It might be difficult for us to hear Jesus' words today in this gospel reading from Mark in light of Darnella's heartbreaking testimony. Because if all it takes is something as small as a mustard seed to make a difference in God's world, then why did Darnella and why did all of those innocent bystanders' efforts not seem to make any sort of difference at all? I mean, there was quite a scattering of seeds along the sidewalk that day. A martial arts instructor, an EMT, a 9-11 dispatcher. Why did none of their actions that day help to save George Floyd's life? You will find that I ask a lot of questions in my sermons that I don't have answers to. Nor do I think it's my job to have all the answers, as if anyone person or pastor could, although many act as if they do. But I think the longer I've been in ministry, the more I've realized all that we don't know. But also, the more I've learned about the importance of asking better questions and asking them together as a community of faith. After all, isn't that what Jesus did? He was often approached with questions throughout Scripture, and he rarely gave answers. One author says that Jesus is asked 183 questions in the Gospels, of which he answers three. And so today's Gospel story is no exception. A large crowd is following Jesus. They began last week, and they are continuing on here in Mark 4. And they must say something to him like, You are really not the kind of God we were expecting. Tell us, what is your God really like? 
And in this case, instead of giving them any sort of direct answer, Jesus says, well, let me tell you a story. And he starts telling them about farmers scattering seed and how even a mustard seed, the smallest seed there is, can grow into this plant that is so large that birds can nest in its shade. Now that may seem kind of abstract to us, but actually this image would have been familiar to Mark's audience. They would have known this image of a large tree with birds and its branches as being representative of powerful kingdoms. The book of Daniel uses a large cedar tree as a symbol for the Babylonian Empire. It's used again in Ezekiel for the Assyrian Empire. What's interesting is that the story in Mark doesn't end with this mighty cedar tree, but with a mustard bush. Now, ironically, some commentators note that mustard is actually not a plant that birds would even build their nests in. Mustard bushes reach a height of maybe 8 to 10 feet, but they're not sturdy enough to support birds' nests. Birds might find shelter under the bush, but not in this garden herb. And so what in the world is Jesus saying here? I mean, is he trying to make some sort of joke? As Bible scholar Barbara Reed points out, rather than think of the kingdom of God as a majestic cedar tree, Jesus uses the image of a lowly garden herb that grows right in one's own backyard. God's realm is not like a dominating empire, but its power erupts out of weakness. Its transformative power comes from unpretentious ventures of faith by those who would choose such an unlikely venue as Jesus in which to build their nests. And so perhaps Jesus is saying life in God's kingdom is like a mustard seed, something so small and humble and unassuming that we don't even know if what we are doing can make any sort of difference at all in God's world And yet we are invited to act by faith anyway. It's like what Shane Claiborne writes about in his book, The Irresistible Revolution, from the time he spent with the home for the destitute and dying alongside Mother Teresa in Calcutta. He says, I helped folks eat. I massaged muscles, gave baths, and basically tried to spoil people who really deserved it. The goal was not to keep people alive. We had very few supplies for doing that, but to allow people to die with dignity, with someone loving them, singing, laughing with them so that they were not alone. Sometimes folks with medical training would come by and they would be overwhelmed with frustration at us because we had so few medical supplies for them. But we would explain that our mission was not to prolong life, but to help people die well. While the temptation to do great things is always before us, he writes, in Calcutta I learned the discipline of doing small things with great deliberation. As Mother Teresa used to say, we can do no great things, only small things with great love. And maybe that's what a mustard seed life of faith can do. Maybe that's what the bystanders to George Floyd's arrest did that day, too. They did small things with great love. It's true that they did not save 
George Floyd's life that day. And even though Chauvin was found guilty of murder on three accounts, George Floyd still did not get the justice he deserved. But these small acts of love did help to bring about one thing, and that is accountability. In a press conference after the trial, Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison thanked the public for their long, painstaking work. And then he said, I would not call today's verdict justice because justice implies restoration, but it is accountability, which is the first step to justice. He went on to say, George Floyd mattered. His death shocked the conscience of our community, our country, and world. He was loved by his family and friends, but that isn't why he mattered. He mattered because he was a human. And there are no throwaway humans. There are no throwaway people. And then, borrowing this phrase from the prosecuting attorney, Jerry Blackwell, Ellison praised these brave bystanders who bore witness to George Floyd's murder, calling them a bouquet of humanity. And he goes on to preach a sermon better than one I could preach today. He says these people who stopped and raised their voices on May 25th, 2020, were a bouquet of humanity. They were young and old, men and women, black and white, a man from the neighborhood wanting to get a drink, a child going to buy a snack, an off-duty firefighter on her way to a community garden, and a brave young woman who pressed record on her cell phone. Why did they stop? They didn't know George Floyd. They didn't know his family. They didn't know he had been a great athlete. They didn't know he was a proud father. But they stopped and raised their voices and challenged authority because they saw his humanity. And they knew in their hearts that there are no throwaway people. And they stopped and raised their voices because they knew that what they were seeing was wrong. And they were right. These community members, he said, this bouquet of humanity did it again at the trial. They performed simple yet profound acts of courage, and we owe them our gratitude for telling the truth to the world. You see, perhaps those seeds that were scattered along the sidewalk at the corner of 38th and Chicago by Cup Foods did grow up into something beautiful and something completely unexpected, something that reminded us and that reminded the rest of the world what it means to be human and that there are no throwaway people in God's world. And I can't help but think that this is what the kingdom of God might look like here at Grinstead and Cherokee too. It's not this tall and mighty cedar tree. It's a beautiful bouquet of humanity. It's the loving and faithful witness of people who are young and old, gay and straight and trans and every other point along the beautiful rainbow spectrum. It's people who went to Southern Seminary back in the day. It's people who haven't darkened the doors of a church in 30 years because they didn't think any kind of church could love someone like them anymore. It's Friday church and Sunday church. It's people who are on a journey of recovery each day, striving to do the next right thing. 
It's people who are here in the pews with us and people who are connected online here in Louisville and all around the country. It's people with a beautiful diversity of abilities and disabilities. It's the newest babies who were born during our pandemic. And it's the folks at Trayton Oaks who can't join us in person but listen faithfully on CDs every single week. It's this beautiful cloud of witnesses that surrounds us in this place. And it's people like Dave Nakdeman, Phoebe Delamarter, Cleve Eiler, Jean Janes, Davina Park, Frank Tupper, and so many more. Friends, the seeds of this beautiful bouquet of humanity have been planted at Highland in ways that are big and small and so very faithful for over 125 years now. The question is, what kind of seeds are you and I planting today? And what will be said of us when they reflect back on this post-pandemic church that began gathering again here at Highland? That's another question to which I don't have the full answer. Not yet, anyway. But I look forward to asking it with you in the days ahead. Because I believe that something new and beautiful is sprouting within us, Highland. And I can't wait to see the bouquet of humanity that God grows up here at the corner of Grinstead and Cherokee in the days to come. May it be so, church. Amen.